What's up, guys? It's Bradley with the Insurance Guys Podcast. Hey, look, recently I actually got two more days out of my month. If you know me and you know how tight my schedule is, me getting two more days is huge. And I'm going to tell you how I did that. I did that with CoverDesk. Guys, this is not a testimonial, even though they are a sponsor. It's not a testimonial. It's not a made-up story. This is a real-life story. Me as a new agency owner, obviously, my business organization chart, I fill 80% of the seats, right? Well, one of the things that I do because I wanted to make sure that my people get paid right is I reconcile all my commission statements for all my carriers. And literally, guys, when it comes around payroll time, it takes two whole days for me to reconcile for the agency and reconcile for my agents. And I recently trained my cover desk virtual assistant on how to reconcile the agency commissions for my management system, which I'll say is not a popular management system. It's a newer management system. And I was able to train her how to do that. Literally, guys and gals, it bought me two extra days in the month. I could get two more days of production, get two more days with my family. Think about what you could get from two days. That's what this service from CoverDesk has provided me. Give CoverDesk a call or head over to www.coverdesk.com. Thanks. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys Podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome my friend, Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Guess where I'm recording from today. Old school, baby. Old school. Kicking it back. Hey, let me ask you a question. Okay. Is the greatest money that you have ever spent in your entire life, I'm talking from birth until December the 14th of 2020, year, year of our Lord, 2020, not the money that you spent to hire some movers to move your stuff into your new <laughs> You got no idea, man. Or you probably do. Obviously you do. You wouldn't be asking the question, but yeah, we, uh, and for those of you that don't know to catch you up to speed. So, uh, portal insurance recently moved offices. Congratulations. Thank you. Today is day one at our new office as with far as like everybody being here and the new office location just so happens to be the former location of the podcast studio where the insurance guys podcast was started. So we are uh, super serendipitous with that. Um, we got lucky enough that the location stayed vacant for a couple years or almost a couple years. And we're able to, to move over here. We've got uh, increased, we got more space. We've got about a thousand square feet more than we have. We've got individual offices. We've got rooftop patio, gym. I mean, it's, it's just it's all around good move. So we're super pumped for that. Today's our first day here. Kenneth actually, so Kenneth that, that works here at Portal, his office is going to be the actual old podcast studio. And yep. he came out there this morning and he said, man, he's like, I feel like doing something in this office to commemorate that the insurance guys podcast was started here and was being serious as a heart attack, was not trying to like right. poke fun at me. So I was like, yeah, we can do that. So, you know, what I'm thinking about doing just because it would be super corny is on golf courses whenever there's right. like a really good shot hit during an important tournament, they'll put a plaque down at the spot. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking mm -hmm. about getting a plaque made. It's like on this day, you know, anyway. So yeah, so hey, we're, we're hey, super excited. Hey, Kenneth, tell Kenneth I said that his office 
is like walking on those the hallowed grounds <laughs> of like Gettysburg. <laughs> and and you know, there's an old country saying, Bradley, if you stand on the corner long enough, you'll see everybody come around, come back around. And I kind of feel like that's what you've just done. You started the podcast there. We started the podcast there, and then here we are. And however many years later, and you're you're back in there every day as an agency owner. That's that's pretty freaking cool, if you ask me. It is, and not and not only that. For those of you that don't know, so Johnny, who is our podcast producer, not only designed my logo for Portal, but he named it. He came up with the name, and during a whiteboard session that he and I were doing, and the old podcast studio is the room where he came up with the name. So there's, there's a lot going on. This just like everything's, and that, that's how it was when we were like looking for all the space, like everything was pointing here. Serendipity. So we, yeah. And so, so to, to, to circle back to what you were talking about, Oh, look at there, the sun's coming out. Uh, it's been raining all day or kind of cloudy, but uh, circle back. Uh, yes. I hired a moving company that gave me a phenomenal rate and it's literally the best thing I've ever done. They just loaded everything up and unloaded it and put it where I wanted it. And it was good. And I didn't have to break my back. And, but you know, I look at things, you know, Laurel and I were talking about this last night. I was like, all right, is it worth it for me to go to the grocery store and get drinks for the office? Or am I better off cost wise to send somebody else or order it on Amazon? And so, you know, I kind of looked at that with the moving company. I was like, well, I was going to get a couple, couple of guys that work for us. I'm paying them by the hour, but what's the opportunity cost on them selling insurance instead? So I kind of looked at that and the moving company gave me a great deal. So we rolled with it, man. Hey, I read a book one time. It was written by a Jewish minister, preacher. It was about the fundamentals of business and like one of the very first rules that he had or points that he made in the book was he talked about when it came to things like moving and having uh, work done around his house and things like that because of that opportunity cost he said the best tool that I have is a checkbook there's some truth in that I mean I know people that you know instead of selling insurance for a day and making five ten thousand dollars in commission they'll spend three or four days fixing the water line in their front yard when they could have called a plumber and you know spent 800 bucks and had it fixed you know it's it's there there's something to that there is but there's also something to the other side too if you get some joy out of fixing that thing you know what i mean depending on when it falls and things like that and but, but at the same time even if it falls on a weekend i mean if you fixing that water line is taken away from your time with your family you know, I think it's, it's just, it all goes back to using your time wisely, how you want right. to use it. In other right. words, if, if your family time is super valuable to you and you're going to spend time with your kids that day, then pay somebody to fix the water line. Or if it's during a, a work day and you've got a very valuable meeting that you can't meet or, or whatever, then, mm. then pay that person. But at the same, on the flip side, if maybe you're, you don't have that much going on and it would be good for you to fix it. Or if, you know, let's say the kids aren't going to want to spend time with you or you're not, you're the wife and the wife's shopping or so, you know, you know what I mean? I think it's just, I think it's all about finding the right thing for you and constantly auditing your time while also not judging yourself for the decision that you make as well. Right. Right. I told my wife about six months ago, Bradley, I said, you know, there are a lot of people in the insurance industry that listen to our podcast. And one of the things that 
Bradley and I have talked about a pretty, pretty good bit, and, and I kind of end the podcast talking about it every day, is what's your why? You know, why do you do what you do? And I said, I have changed my why. I said, I said, you know, it used to be that I wanted you and the kids to have a life that maybe I never had when I was growing up and even as an adult. And I wanted you guys to have advantages and things that, that my family just couldn't afford me when I was growing up. But I said, now my why is that I have moved so many times, both personally and businesses as far as agencies go. My new why is the next time I move houses, I want to hire a moving company and just let them walk into my house and I just say, package everything in here up, make sure nothing gets broken, and I want it all moved and put back wherever my wife wants it. That, that's my new why. Because if, you, if you've ever moved before, people, dude, you think it's going to be cool, like, you, I'm going to go high, I'm going to go buy a rent a u-haul and i'm gonna that's an you know, expensive that's an expensive yeah and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna find a couple buddies and we're gonna move my entire 2500 square foot house by ourselves and by the time the week's over you literally feel like you've just run like three marathons in three days and again what's the opportunity cost of you being tired because you're gonna be right. tired for a couple of days after that you know what i mean it's just right 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 some people are going to look at this, well, that's being lazy. Well, maybe, but maybe not, you know, and I think it just depends on you, but yeah, that's something. I mean, you talking about a moving co- I mean, it's it, move a whole house and put things back where they, I mean, it ain't, it's not cheap and you better make sure they got good insurance too. Yep. You I've, I've been in that situation. I've been yeah. in that situation. So guys, we've got a lot to talk about today, but before we do, I want to say this, the mission of this podcast never changes. We are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to move the ball one step forward to greatness and help you move that ball in your agency and leave you every week with a few things that maybe you can take back to your office and implement or ideas that you can spend the week thinking about that might help you create a bigger, badder agency so that one day you can have a moving company come to your house and pack every single thing in your house up and move it all and put it back. I like how and, seriously you said that. It was hilarious. And you don't have to touch a thing. Now, there's not many of us that can do that right now, but that's our goal here is to help you achieve that goal one day. So, Bradley Flowers, I've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about the State of the Union and our agencies here at the end of the year. It's almost Christmas. We want to talk a little bit about some questions that I had for you regarding marketing budgets for 2021. But before we get started, I want to spend about 20 minutes on a very important topic. Ladies and gentlemen, yesterday at around 12 noon, Auburn University (laughs) announced that mediocrity in college football at Auburn University will not be tolerated at that time the athletic director for Auburn University called into his office and fired Gus Malzahn. Now, before I get started with the topic on this today, let's go over his buyout. $21.4 million buyout, $10.27 million due in one lump sum by January the 13th, 2021. 
2.68 million to be paid out over four years annually in one lump sum per year, 2.68 million. And there is no mitigation clause in Gus Malzahn's contract. What does that mean? That means that if he goes to coach, let's say at uh, South Carolina, for instance, he will still get the $2.68 million buyout in one lump sum annually over a four-year period. I bring all of this up, Bradley, because of something that I've been thinking a lot about since yesterday when he was released as Auburn's head football coach. Our friend and great American, Mike Stromso, always says this. Every insurance agency in America has three things that they've got to do extremely well. People, processes, and procedures. That mantra is no different as a head football coach for a large Division I school. I have always maintained that those guys are more of a CEO than they are a head football coach. So I want to kind of talk a little bit about that today with you. What are your thoughts, I guess, just initial thoughts on Auburn University releasing their head football coach with that buyout being in place? Well, I was at the SEC championship game two years ago, three years ago, when Auburn was playing, and that was the day that they gave him that buyout, and I thought it was stupid. I remember the the spot in the world of Coca-Cola in Atlanta that I was standing in when that news came down. I was like, that's a lot of money. As a fan who who has – and I know everybody on here is not an SEC football fan, so I'll keep it short. But as a fan who has seen – who's been disappointed with mediocrity recently, I've always been in Gus's corner until about two months ago and actually tweeted that. I was like, I have always been in it, but it's time for a change. I always default to backing the guy or the gal, right? I was pleased with the news yesterday. I actually took a nap and I woke up and I had like six text messages. One of them was from you. The other one was from my dad. And I thought to myself, yeah, but Gus got fired. And that was what it was. But, you know, I, I'm okay with the decision. I hate it for his family. I actually didn't realize I was friends with, the, with his wife on Facebook. Mm-hmm. He put a really nice post up yesterday. But at the same time, I mean, you come away with $21 million dollars. I think his biggest problem, back to what you said, acting like a CEO, I think his biggest problem is he didn't act like a CEO. And that's just purely fans' perspective that doesn't really get into the day-to-day stuff. All I do is watch the games and yell roll out at my TV. And then after it's over, it's over. I don't, I don't look at it till the next game or the next year. I think his biggest problem is Gus is a purely offensive guy. He is an offensive coordinator at heart. And I think he had a hard time turning those duties over to somebody and delegating, which to be frank is the problem I see with a lot of insurance agency owners I talk to. They, a lot of them have a hard time being the CEO of that agency. And by being the CEO of that agency, I don't mean you put that you're the CEO of your agency in your Facebook bio. There's, they're saying you're, you're doing it and then there's acting like you're doing it and, it's, and, and then there's actually doing it. And those are three different things. We had that conversation this weekend. Yeah. So I think if you don't have 50 employees, you shouldn't put CEO in your Facebook bio, but right. me. So guys, the reason I bring this buyout up today is I want to talk just a minute about the parallels between running a successful division one football program and staying long-term versus running an insurance agency. So let's start with people. 
what do we know? Well, we know that in order to be a long-term success in college football and to be a long-term success in the insurance industry, we've got to hire great people. Now, in football, college football, that's a little different, but it's also the same. What I mean by that is you have to have a great coaching staff and not just great coaches. A lot of places have great coaches, but every or at least most of those guys that you hire, there's this asterisk above them where people like Nick Saban hire only great coaches who can also recruit. The other side of that coin for a football program that we don't necessarily have, or maybe we do, maybe for us it's hiring great clients, but for a head football coach and for a football program that's at the top echelon of the college football world, you have to have great players four and five-star recruits like Bradley Flowers is every week on this podcast. And if you go look, the last 15 to 20 national championships that, that have been won in major college football, you can go back and look where they finished in the recruiting rankings over the last three or four years, and you'll see that they're all in the top five recruiting classes. So there's number one. We got to hire great people, just like we do in an insurance agency. That means coaches who can recruit and coaches who can coach. We've got to hire great players, four-star recruits, five-star recruits. Doesn't mean they're going to pan out, but most of them at places like Alabama are going to potentially have an opportunity to play at the next level in the NFL. Clemson, great example. They have hired better players. They've got fantastic coaches who can all recruit. That's the people part of this equation. The second part of this equation are processes. Bradley, would you like to tell our listening audience how many times a week that Nick Saban brings up the process at the University of Alabama? Uh, probably every 10 minutes. Every five minutes at the university. That's all he talks about is the process. So I'm going to tell you guys a couple of stories about the process. The difference between Nick Saban and every other coach in America is he has an offensive scheme and a defensive scheme that he is going to run, regardless of who the coordinator is. Now, they may tweak that scheme to fit their personnel, and they may change it a little bit. Let's say they've got a running quarterback versus a pocket passer. But overall, that scheme is going to stay the same. The reason he does that is because he has so much turnover with coordinators that he would not be able to be successful if every time he hired, had to hire a new offensive and defensive coordinator, they came in with this brand-new scheme that's going to change the world, and it's all theirs. So I'm going to tell you guys a story. I've got a buddy of mine that when, when Nick Saban left Michigan State, he went to Louisiana State University, LSU, and he really wanted my friend to come in to be the defensive coordinator at LSU. He calls him up. He pays for a flight. He comes down there. They walks in his office. They shake hands. They're exchanging pleasantries. How's your dad doing? Da, 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 da. Now, this is a guy who is at the top echelon of 
defensive coordinators, both in the NFL and in college football. And they sit down and they start talking. And Nick Saban says, blank, I want you to be my defensive coordinator here at, here at LSU. And he says, well, coach, I appreciate that. I, I'd love the opportunity. And he said, before, before you say yes, I've got a couple things I need to tell you. You need to know one thing. I'm going to run the defense, not you. Now, people, you cannot understand how much ego there is involved in college football. You can't understand how, how big these egos are. My friend's a big ego guy, right? He's seen a lot, done a lot, coached in the pros, coached in the highest level of Division I football. Nick Saban looks at him and says, I'm going to run the defense, and we're going to run the scheme that I want to run. Now, most people would say, well, man, I could learn a lot and come down here and coach under Nick Saban. At that time, Nick wasn't what he is today, the, the heir apparent to Barry Bryant and all this other stuff. And so my friend turns him down, turns down the job because he doesn't want to just come down there and be a lackey boy for Nick Saban. But over time, and the attrition rate that Alabama has with their coaching staffs, the process and the procedures that he's put in place have created fail-safes to allow that machine to keep churning even after every year their offensive and defensive coordinators have been hired at other schools to be head coaches. I'm going to give you another example of this, guys. So there's a lot of people in Baton Rouge, Louisiana today that want Ed Orgeron fired as the head coach. Won a national championship last year, and I believe their record as of today is five and four. I was listening to – we have a really good morning sports radio show about nothing but football here in Huntsville. I know that's a huge surprise to all of you out there. They had the beat writer on that's big buddies with Ed Orgeron down in Louisiana, and he writes for the – paper there in Baton Rouge and they had him on last week to talk about all the mistakes Louise uh, LSU's made this year and he said really the only mistakes that Ed Orgeron made was who he hired as their defensive coordinator who's about to be fired and who he hired as their offensive coordinator both of whom wanted to come down there and change everything and do things differently Ed Orgeron did not have the same processes and belief in what his philosophies were. So he, he goes down there, he hires two people he shouldn't have hired, and here we are today, LSU's five and four. There were two other hires that he could have made, one of which was Joe Burrow's right-hand man last year, the guy, the guy that helped him win the Heisman Trophy. And what most people don't know, the guy that I'm talking about, Joe took him – to the Heisman Award show to accept the Heisman Trophy instead of the offensive coordinator who left LSU. Now, they had a chance to hire this guy, turned him down for somebody that was a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, and now both the defensive head coach and the offensive coach have lost the team, and people in LSU and Baton Rouge are considering 
letting Ed Orgeron go. Which That's is how insane fast insane to think about. You win a national championship less than 12 months ago. And you have this weird, you know, the one thing that, that had me kind of thinking, well, maybe they don't shoot, they, they, should, they should give Gus one more year is we've got this weird year. Right. And, you know, one, one thing that Gus came under fire for is I think Auburn finished at six and four. And he said, well, that would be a decent year under normal circumstances. And everybody's like, oh, my God, six wins. What he was trying to say was mm-hmm. normally you would have four out-of-conference games. Sure. Normally three of those are shoe-ins, and maybe you beat an Oregon or somebody like that. That's a 10-win right. season. Exactly. So for all intents and purposes, Gus is not fired if Corona doesn't happen. That's right. That's exactly you know, right. Because but, he wins nine or ten games and gets to stay another but, year. And, and what you're saying, Scott, is something that I think about a lot is – when you have consistent processes and procedures, you're going to get consistent results. Correct. And you're going to be able to plug people in. And as long as they have some basic knowledge of the tasks that they are doing, you're going to get similar results. You know, right. one of the arguments to Alabama's offense a lot is that they are very sort of lackadaisical. There's not much explosive plays until the defense gets tired in, you know, halfway through the third quarter. And it's kind of a result of that process. You know, hey, we're that's not right. trying to do anything that's crazy. We're just, we're just keeping the status quo. We're going to wear you, we're gonna wear you and, down. And it's and kind of the gonna, same thing in, yep. in the insurance industry, in the insurance agency. Yep. You know, I'd rather have consistent results than have these wild swings month to month. And if you've got those consistent process and procedures, and like you said, you can deviate a little bit and you can let people use their strengths and their talents and things like that. But you're going to have some consistency in that. And what that's going to lead to, too, on the other side are consistent customer experiences. Right. Well, And that's something I'm big on, especially as everybody knows, listen to this, is the onboarding process. In our agency, if we can consistently onboard every single client the same way, not only are they going to have consistent experiences, but us as the team, as the insurance agent, we're going to have consistent experience in terms of the questions that they ask us in the process. You know, if we're onboarding them the same way, well, we know for everybody's going to ask this question on day five, right? Well, let's go ahead and address it on day four. Right. So, so that is a beautiful segue into the third leg of our stool. Now, what I was just talking about, guys, Ed Orgeron, who may very well get fired at the end of this year. I don't know. I doubt it because I think he's going to fire both his offensive and defensive coordinators. What he had were people problems. He's got people problems. He had a chance to make the right decisions, and he didn't, and it cost him almost everything. So third leg of that stool, the third leg of that stool is promotion. Now, folks, I know a lot of you that are listening to this podcast today think that you have an incredible marketing department. And maybe you do. And maybe you're the best in the industry at marketing, promotion. But I'm just here to tell you, Listen very carefully to what I'm saying. You have never seen the juggernaut that the University of Alabama has for promotion. So I can go through some of it with you, but what they do both for their facilities and their fans and more importantly, their players is unmatched in Division I football. But more importantly, and probably most importantly, is the juggernaut that they have for their recruits. So 
the programs, the videos, the sending out both direct mail to recruits and the department of students that they have that come in and work in both social media and just reaching out to players and players' families in high school football, both via email, text message, social media, following kids' social media accounts is really unparalleled in college football and probably the biggest reason why they have had so much success in recruiting. So a couple years ago, my son was going to Nick Saban football camp, and he had a U-Triple-S-A baseball tournament that he was playing in on Sunday, which is when the registration was, was at, when you registered and got into camp that, that afternoon. So we, we went to Tuscaloosa after the tournament was over and spent the night, and I took him over to start camp the next morning at 8 o'clock at late registration. We walk up to the – basically walk into the indoor practice facility at Alabama, and somebody walks up to meet us. Again, that whole thing is a juggernaut, the way they do their lanyards, the bracelets with the key fobs in them to keep up with kids and the lunch and blah, 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 blah. So we get there, and a, a young young girl comes to us. Now, remember, when Nick Saban got off the plane in Tuscaloosa, the very first day he came in from Miami, he walked into the Malmore Athletic Facility, Bradley, and he said, how many students do we have working in the football department? How many students does Mike Shula have working in the football department? At that time, they had something like five or six students working. The next day, they had 30. Yeah. So we get there, young, young lady, obviously in college at the university. I don't know if she was an undergrad or graduate. She comes up to us. Oh, y'all are here for the late registration. Let me walk you up to the offices and I'll go ahead and get you guys late registered. If that's okay. I said, yeah, that's fine. So you get to walk through all the sports illustrated five foot by five foot pictures of all the times Alabama has been on sports illustrated. You walk by all the coordinators offices the conference rooms the players lounge all that stuff and then we take a ride into an office it's a little hallway and there's an office on the left office on the right it looked like probably an office for a graduate assistant and as we're standing there the doors open and I can see the office across the hall and in that office there are four guys four students at the University of Alabama each one is sitting behind a computer it's eight o'clock in the morning this young lady was registering my son. She's doing it all on the computer and getting him his lanyard and his key fob and blah, 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 and all this stuff you have to have for camp. And I said, by the way, what are those kids doing across the hallway right there? Because it looked like little cubicles with just four kids, four young, young guys in college just sitting there. And they're on a computer on a, on a large screen desktop, and they are just pounding away. I mean, just – she said, oh, that's – they're just in there. They're doing social media and reaching out to some of our recruits right now and doing some social media stuff for us. Eight o'clock in the morning, Monday morning, no telling what they're doing. I have no idea. But the juggernaut that the University of Alabama has from everything from all the national championship rings in the case on the coffee table in front of the uh, sofa in Nick Saban's office so that when he sits down with a recruit and their family he can allow them to try on the national championship rings i mean you think that might make an impact maybe just a little bit well and and two uh, back to the back to the cubicle thing so one thing that i think we should focus on or talk about is 
Nick Saban is famously one of the only major college football coaches that has no social media, no Facebook, no Twitter, not even Correct. like a fake Twitter that's verified where it's really an Correct. assistant that's doing it. None of that. None of that. But he recognizes his weakness yep. as a team there of yep. students. Yeah. People who, who know how the best to that, use it the best. That's right. There you go. And yep. So, so what he did is he hired around his weakness. That's exactly what he did. And I think that's so smart for insurance agents to think about. I know. You know, if know. I'm not good, whatever it is, I don't want to like, it's not about social media, like whatever the thing is, if you're not good at commercial, but your agency wants to do commercial, hire you somebody who's an expert in commercial. If your agency exactly. wants to do bonds, but you don't want to do bonds, hire somebody to do the bonds. If you as an agency owner, don't you know me? So I, I got really tired recently. Like I'd got to the point in agency ownership where I was like, okay, I'm really done with doing my own accounting. So I hired a bookkeeper to help us with our agency bill stuff. Like think about your business in that kind of way, you know? Uh, and, and it goes so far, the juggernaut goes so far, the, the graphics department that they utilize, there's no telling how many hundreds of thousands of dollars they spend in graphics. When the players come out of the tunnel, every game, when you see Nick Saban coming out of the tunnel, there's graphics running up both sides of that tunnel. There's no telling what that costs. And then here's the kicker. So you bring in your best recruits for the weekend game day experience, right? Well, Alabama just installed these LED different lights in the stadium that I don't think – I'm not very many places I've ever seen these before, but they can literally turn out the stadium lights. And as the music's blaring, these – 3D LED red lights are pumping all over the place and it makes it the whole stadium look like a club. So what does that do for the kid who's 17, 16 years old sitting there watching in the stadium Alabama play and they've got the club lights pumping during the game in bright red, you know, crimson red. And it's just this whole juggernaut that they have of a marketing and technology department that is really, in my opinion, probably unmatched in college football. And then people wonder why they show up in the Final Four every year to play for the national championship. Well, all of those things are getting one or two or three more of those four and five-star recruits like Bradley Flowers to come to the University of Alabama and make a difference. Maybe it's just a small difference. But it's a, it's a big enough difference that as you take that in its totality of 22 kids, 11 on offense, 11 on defense, plus substitutions, backups, those kinds of things, right? they can wear you out for three quarters. And then by the time you get to the fourth quarter, you're done. And they're just getting started because they've been able to run 11 defensive linemen on and off the field the whole game where you've got five or six. Well, and that's, that, and that's, that's the and difference, mate. Not, not to say we do things perfectly, but that's kind of the way I feel about my agency. Like, I always want to be overstaffed. Chris Paradiso told us one time, he said, I'll always be overstaffed so I never get caught with my pants down. In other words, right. somebody quits or you have to fire somebody and then you're shorthanded. And that's why, you know, we compete a lot, especially in the lender referral market. We compete a lot with the one and two man or woman show agencies. Mm. And I'm like, it doesn't matter that's going to amortize out and we're going to win in the long run in that because we've got the resources to really 
do this the right way. And if such and such is busy at your agency and such and such is busy at my agency and I have somebody else to quote and you don't, I'm going to win in the long run on that. Right. So I, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. Well, I think that's enough about the coincidences, the similarities between major college football and insurance agencies. And by the way, Scott and I have an entire keynote presentation on this. If you are interested, <laughs> once in-person conferences start and would like us to come give this presentation to your state association, please reach out. Absolutely, we do. I, I, I tell you this, Bradley, today, beyond the similarities between being a major college head football coach and an insurance agency, the other thing that we wanted to talk about today with you guys is today is December the 14th, 2020, and it is the end of the year. And Bradley and I wanted to talk a little bit. We wanted to pull our pants down for you and talk just a little bit about the successes, the failures, and a little bit about maybe our goals for 2021 and where we can improve and get better as a college football coach. So, Bradley. Yo. December 14th, year's almost over. It's been a long year. It's been a hard year. It's been a good year. What Just overall, give me the Bradley Flowers report card if I ask you just overall agency performance for 2020. What kind of grade do you give Portal Insurance? That is a much harder question to answer than it sounds. Um, I'm going to give us overall an A minus, given everything okay. that we've gone through and that the world has gone through. Um, our business went up when Corona hit and we started working from home. Right. Because we're uniquely equipped to do that. I'm looking at numbers right now on my screen. We set a very boisterous, large goal, January the 1st of 2020. We are at 64% of that goal, mm. which is still more than what we did last year. Right. We hit our goal last year. So given everything that's gone on in the world, the fact that we've had some some staffing changes we've had to make, some structural changes, an office move, things like that, we came out pretty good. I'm going to give us an A minus given everything that's going on. So looking at the performance over the entire year, where you are today between now and where you started January 1st of 2020, What's the biggest difference in your agency in over that 12-month period? We are a lot more structured now than we were last year. Mm, like um, and we're not where we want to be. We're still, I'm constantly thinking about and working on structure in terms of just the flow of business, not just organizational chart, but flow of business, things like that. You just feel tighter. You got yeah, to dial in We're getting tighter. close. We're getting close. A lot of the conversations that I have in my head and with other people, you know, Bradley Flowers one year ago today only thought about sales, front end sales, front end sales, sell, 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 because you've got a scratch agency, you've got to get revenue, you know, all that. And I've made a tremendous mindset shift over to retention and service and customer experience and things like that. Like, let's mine our diamonds, as Mike Strom says, yes. So that's been a pretty big shift and, and everything, a lot of my energy right now, and this kind of goes back to the structure thing too. A lot of my energy right now goes back to how can we make sure that less balls are dropped in the agency? 
Mm-hmm. One of my dream positions at my agency is to hire somebody who is the don't drop any ball guy. Like, like, like they are girl, like they literally their job is to make sure no balls are dropped. Right. Everything's handled. And so that, is that, is that just a five-star recruited agency manager? Is that what that is? But I, I would say so. Yeah. And, but, but just, you know, that, that there's a lot of conversations going on about that. And, and I know those conversations are going to get more sophisticated and then when we can use technology to help with that and things like that. So uh, we, the year went by fast. I mean, it's yeah. crazy, you know. Goals for 2021 in terms of are you wanting to add any more people? Or are you kind of where you want to be? Or and, and then also, what do you do about, you said y'all have reached 64% of your goal this year. Are you going to rethink your goals for 2021 based on where you ended up this year? How does that work? No. One reason that people lose when they play roulette is they look at the board. For those of you that don't gamble, the board shows you what numbers hit last. I don't know what the exact percentage is, but when casinos added the board, people started losing like 38% more at roulette because what happened in the past has nothing to do with what happened in the future. Right. And so, no, I don't, I don't look at what happened in the last 12 months. We're going to, and that's, we came up with our big boisterous number based on what we thought we would do based on the tools and, and what we were equipped with at that moment. So no, and yeah. we haven't sat down to look at 20 plan. I'm actually doing that this week. And so, so no, we're, we're not going to take that into account. We're going to look at the players we have, the tools we have, the equipment we have, the technology we have, and okay, you know, what do we think we can do? And then let's go blow that out of the water. So, yeah. So last year you went off to a cabin in the woods. Yep. And you, you did some planning. Now you have a little bit of a advantage over the rest of us because you have a beautiful wife who's a absolute savage in insurance. Rock star. So, so you get to go way better than I'll ever be. So you get to go with your wife and y'all can sit down and knock ideas back and forth and come up with whatever your business plan is for 2021. A lot of us don't have that, Mm -hmm. but are you guys going to do the same thing this year? Are you going to Are you going to have time to do that? So I will be in Mexico in three days, and I think a little bit of that's going to go on there. We'll see. Yeah. Um. I have. We, we don't. We haven't. We haven't said yes. This is our business plan. But yeah, we'll do something of that nature. We do something, and we do it in separate rooms, and it's not together, commingled, or anything like that. It's our own. But it is good to have that person to bounce ideas off of and things like that. And to answer your original question, yes, we're, our plan is to add people. Part of the reason we only hit 64% of our goal was the fact that we had some staffing changes we had to make, you know, didn't necessarily have the number of producers we needed to hit that goal, even though we were properly equipped to handle the business we had. So the reason, the singular main reason we moved offices is we needed more room to add people. So our plan is to take this building and fill it up with people and, and we're adding producers we are expanding. We're opening a second location in Birmingham. Some of you guys saw that. That got slightly put on hold as, A, the person I had lined up to run that location had a change of heart, which is great, fine. We're still friends. Um, and B, this office move happened like the week after we announced. And so all my energy has gone towards this. And got a couple of side projects that I think are going to make a splash that you guys will hear about in the next 12 months. So a lot of good stuff going on. Oh yeah, I'm I'm excited for 2021, no doubt. So last question, and then I'll I'll talk about myself for a minute, which yeah. I hate doing. 
I loathe talking about myself. That's why half the time these people invite me on these podcasts and I just don't ever answer them. <laughs> I just can't, I cannot stand to talk about myself. Marketing for 2021 in your agency. I want all these agents to hear this because I think this is really important. Based on success and failure in 2020, is there anything that you're going to be doing differently or maybe not as much or more than you did in 2020 as in, in regards to marketing? We are yes and no. I mean, we've, we do a really good job with, with inbound leads and I'll just be frank with everybody. August ish of this past year, we had enough leads for us to handle. So mm -hmm. I tapered my marketing back a little bit. Just to be completely honest, we are working on more inbound campaigns that are more insurance related. So it's a higher, it's a higher cost per lead. It's a, it's a higher intent lead though. We're working on some things of that nature. We are increasing our, our blog output. So one thing that we're doing mm. with Grant is I'm starting, we've hired a writer who's doing blogs for me. We tell her what to write about. She writes it. Um, where does that go? Tell me where your blog website, go. websites, all, uh, getportalinsurance.com. And so what the way the process works is, is the blog is written. It's posted to the website. Grant then grabs that blog. We make a video about that subject. Uh -huh. And then Grant takes that blog and he turns that blog into Instagram and Facebook infographics. What about YouTube? Uh, yeah, yeah, the video goes on YouTube. So, right. so that way it's all kind of an all encompassing. So we're, we're working on a lot more insurance related content and less personal brand stuff. So that's, that's going to skyrocket your SEO too, right? Correct. That's the plan. And it's a foundation. Yeah. It's not a push button, get lead. It's a foundation that right. you're building. So a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, no real big changes though on the marketing front, just figuring out ways to get out more content and things like that. Mm -hmm. That goes into what my question for you today is. And I think these agents need to write this shit down. All right. I called you before we got on this podcast. I said, Hey, I need to ask you a question on the podcast today. And I don't want to blindside you with it. If you need to have some time to think about it, please do. But my question is this, I had a meeting with my agency manager this morning and we got to talking about marketing budget and what we were going to do in terms of marketing for 2021 and some of the hesitations that he had related to marketing and so the question was this, how does Scott Howell, I protect insurance, how should we be setting an annual marketing budget for the 12 months starting in January for 2021? What parameters, what yeah. uh, algorithm do you use to come up with that budget? So I am, one thing I'm guilty of with, in marketing is I don't necessarily follow the numbers that are the norm. Right. Cost, you know, cost per acquisition, things like that. I know that the SBA says that you should spend 10% of your gross revenue on marketing and advertising. I think that that is a great guide, but at the same time, here's the metric that I operate on. Okay. You ready for it? Ready. If I put a dollar in and I get a dollar and a penny out, why would I not put all my money towards that? Right. That's how I look at it. If I'm putting a dollar in and I'm getting more than a dollar out, let's either A, figure out how to make that get a dollar and two cents mm -hmm. 
or B, let's put all our money in that, really maximize our return, or do right. both. Right. That's how I look at it, Scott. I don't say, okay, now obviously I'm not, you know, if I've got $10,000 in the bank, I'm not going to spend 11000 right? You know, but let's look at it. And if we're getting an ROI on this and our team's closing, then let's spend more on it if they can yeah. handle the lead flow. Right. That's the way that I, that I look at it. Hopefully this isn't a podcast that I listen to two years from now. Say, Oh my God, I was an idiot, but that's All the right. way I look at it and figure out a buffer, figure out, okay, what are you comfortable spending? And this is what I tell agents to do. I spend 75% of my monthly marketing budget on things that I know are tried and true. Things that I know are going to get me leads and get me a return. Because we're not taking that budget and we're not throwing it at direct mail because the direct mail guy or the yellow page gal says this will work, right? Mm -hmm. Tried and true things that you know are going to work. This is an insurance agency. Our job is to sell insurance so we can make money for the agency, which is in turn going to make money for our families. Okay? Right. I'm not saying throw money at the wall. Tried and true. I spend the other 25% testing. A lot of the things that you guys see from Bradley Flowers is in the testing realm. You don't see the tried and true stuff. It's very targeted, very direct, push button, get lead. But let me throw a rebuttal back at you. So for you, tried and true is Facebook advertising. It's worked. You know it For works. the most part, Facebook advertising and uh, wooing lenders. But for a lot of people out there listening to this podcast right now who don't have the experience with Facebook advertising, maybe tried and true is not Facebook advertising for them. Right? What's their tried and true? What, what have right. they done in the past that they've got? I'm not, you either need to do one of two things, Mr. Agent or Miss Agent, listening to this. You either need to A, do the thing that has always gotten you the return mm -hmm. or B, educate yourself and buy a course, buy a mastermind, go to this, this amazing website called Google and learn how to do it. Right. Maybe that's your testing. So, so I spend that 20, I spend, if our budget is $3,000 or $4,000 or $6,000, I'm going to spend 25% on it of it testing different things and testing different strategies. And then what's going to happen is you're going to have some that you scrap and you're going to have some that they end up working and they become the tried and true or you hit something big and you get a bunch of leads. Mm -hmm. Right mm -hmm. now I say all that to say the SBA recommends that you spend 10% of your gross revenue portal insurance spent 9.64% of their gross revenue on advertising and marketing. I got my QuickBooks pulled up right here. So I say all that to say it all went back to 10%, <laughs> you know? So um, 10%. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I don't think the answer is 10%. I think you need to find out yeah. what's right for you and back right. it. And, but let's look at other things too. Okay. Let's look at, all right. Let's say that portal insurance wants to write $2 million in new business. Okay. Next year. Mm -hmm. Our average closing ratio is 66.6%. A strong. All right. Divided by 0.666. That means we need to quote roughly $3 million. Mm -hmm. Our average account size is 2,500. 1,200 quotes divided by 12 is 100 quotes a month. All right. Mm -hmm. What do I need to spend 
to get to that hundred quotes a month. And I still have the ROI on the other side. Cause I know on that $2 million, right. We're going to, we're, we're going to gross roughly 300,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what am I willing to spend to generate $28,000 a month and figure it out from there? So I think you need to start with your goal in mind and back yourself in. Okay. What's the most likely thing to get us these hundred quotes a month. And then let's do that. It's a very complicated answer. It is. And I don't think agents want, you need to spend 10% because if you're spending 10% and it's working amazingly, why aren't you spending 12? Right. Why aren't you spending this? Why aren't you spending that? Now, the reason may be that you don't have the capacity. I mean, that was our problem. We didn't have the capacity to handle it because what's going to happen is eventually you get to the point where you're spending so much and you're getting so many leads that the close ratio goes down. So you have to find that balance. You have to find that happy medium. Right. And then you get to the point to where it's like, okay, now I got to hire another person, you know? Mm -hmm. And it also could be, maybe you're spending money on something that's not getting you the type of leads, the type of business that you want as well. So, so maybe you are getting an ROI, but is it really what you want? So there there was an old, there was a book that was written in the 1980s called your marketing sucks. Yeah. And the whole basis behind that book is exactly what you started this with. Don't do marketing unless you're getting a return for that investment. If you're spending $5,000 and you're only bringing in 200 or something like that, then you need to redirect your fire at maybe something else that does work. But most, and, and I think the whole genesis behind that book was all these large corporations that were spending all these marketing dollars, millions and millions of marketing dollars and not seeing a return on that investment. And here they go the next year with the same ad. Now this was 1980s, right? Back when big advertising firms were everywhere and lots of those people were making money, but not necessarily the advertisers that they were representing. Anyway, kind of the long and short of a lot of what you said. I think if someone would start an advertising agency where they got paid based on results, Uh they would knock it out of the ballpark. I agree. Yeah. I don't think I that exists though. I don't believe it may, so it may exist in some small markets, but it certainly does not exist in the world that I play in. Well, and you've heard Gary Vaynerchuk talk about a lot of these advertise large Madison Avenue firms are just hanging on by their fingernails, trying to keep people, uh, large corporations doing the same thing they've always done because of why they make a bunch of damn money off of it. Right. The old TV ads and this and the, that, and, he gets into that sometimes in some of his stuff he puts on social media about kind of throwing shade at some of the big Madison Avenue firms, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think too, you've got to have some metrics tied to your advertising. Sure. And that's what makes social media so good is you can, I can go in and tell you how many people clicked on my ad. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people looked at my billboard. I don't have a billboard. I how many people looked at your billboard? Right. It's stupid. It's, it's speculative. Right. The way that they come up with the, you know, when you go, those of you that have bought a billboard, you know, they send you the PDF and it's like this billboard, 15,000 people a day, this gets 15,000 impressions a day. You know how they came up with that number? They had a dude with a clicker out there who clicked for an hour. They multiplied that times 24 and that's how they came up with their number. Right. Nobody sees a phone number on a billboard and says, I'm going to call this guy for insurance. Right. I agree. You've got to have metrics tied to it. That's why I started with that end number and backed into, okay, this is how many quotes we need to do a month, a, a, a week or a month, or I don't even remember what it was now. 
Right. And then also too, you know, look like Mike says, look at your acre of diamonds. Look at what's in your book. There, there is a massive opportunity in portal insurance's book right now. I should have talked about that when you asked about what we're doing marketing. We, we are focusing our efforts on how to market our book better. Monoline home, how can, monoline auto. How can we turn that $2,500 account into a $3,500 account? Right. Because right. that extra thousand dollars on that twenty five hundred dollar account is worth way more than me right. adding a thousand dollar a year homeowner's policy or a thousand dollar a year bop to my book. Right. Just the way it is. Well, let me go through my stuff real quick and then uh we'll close this thing out. So I protect insurance and financial services, the year of our Lord twenty twenty. Where did we end up? I'm going to give our agency a solid B. I'm pretty tough on myself. I'm pretty tough on our agency in terms of where we could be versus where we are. I feel like we did a fantastic job of the transition from ind- from nationwide to independent. I said it before, everything here changed except the phone number and the name on the door. But there was one problem with that transition, and it's something that I talk about a lot. I am a huge believer in speed and efficiency and getting things to people as quickly as we can, but it also being accurate. And I think anytime you're switching management systems, learning new carriers, what their requirements are, and all the other stuff that goes into that, utilizing new technologies like rocket referrals, all of that stuff slows you down and it slowed our agency down. It's like walking through quicksand in it. It is. And so between March and July, I just got to where I didn't even care about the numbers. I knew that some of my salespeople were still selling insurance and in some cases selling a lot of it, but I was more focused on making great decisions long term. Mm -hmm for the next five, 10 years for our agency and making sure we didn't screw something up horribly than I was really worried about insurance, if that makes any sense. And I think that's where I should have been. Totally get it. So we made some great decisions in my opinion on, you know, our management system. We went with Hawksoft, rocket referrals. We went with the bridge for our phone system, all of that stuff. Those kinks have all been worked out, but it took, all of May, all of June, all of July, and part of August to do that. And I know during that transition, it slowed us down tremendously. You were a stressed out dude during that that time frame. Yeah, I was. You know, you had stuff going on like, you know, we implement Hawksoft and we put it on every producer and every account manager's computer. And behind the scenes, I can see, how many times a day they're using it. And for the first month, we had people that were only getting in Hawksoft like three times a day, once a day. <laughs> I shouldn't say once a day, one transaction a day. Right. Because it keeps up with the transactions you do. And it got to the point to where I had to have a staff meeting and threaten to fire everybody mm-hmm. and just said, don't even open up nationwide. Don't open it up. Go do everything you can do in Hawksoft because the more you do this, the better you're going to get at it. And it just took a long time. I, and so I imagine, man, that whole that transition from captive to independent, 
where the decision is made by the carrier, not necessarily by you. It's tough because the type of agent that a captive carrier wants is the agent that never plans to be anything but a captive agent. Right. And those are the people a transition like that's going to be hard on. Not saying that was you, but I imagine that's a pretty tough thing, especially for your team, because they never plan to be on anything but on Nationwide for the most part. That's right. Areas where we did well this year, we went from 1.7 million in personal lines when we started the year. We're at about 2.1 million now. Awesome. Part of that is attributed to me hiring. Again, guys, I'm, I'm a college football coach. I'm no different than Nick Saban or Gus Malzahn. I hire a absolute stone cold killer as a personal lines agent. And you see what that did for our agency. That coupled with going from having one carrier nationwide insurance to five or six to choose from mm-hmm. all AAA rated carriers, Travelers, Safeco, list goes on and on, ASI, Allstate, all these other carriers. So we utilized PL Raider. That was another decision that I went through three Raiders, one of which Bradley told me to my face <laughs> over the phone, do not use that Raider. what I do, Bradley? Tried that Raider for three days, fired them, hired another one, fired them, hired another one, fired them, hired another one. Finally got to PL Raider for personal lines, and that's what we're utilizing today. Yeah. And yeah. I apologize. I should have listened to you out of the gate, and that will not happen again. It's not, I'm not some technology savant. I just make it a habit of like really doing my homework on what's what. You know what right. I mean? Who's the best for this? Who's the best for that? And technology is one of those things, man. All of us like to get in Facebook groups and and say, well, this is the best for this and this is the best for that. And it's like arguing what color is the prettiest. Right. It comes down to what's the functionality for your agency. You know, there's some tools out there that I think are absolutely horrible that agents love. And I'm like, that's great. It's great for you. It works for you. It does does not work for me. Right. Goals and aspirations for 2021. I said this on a Facebook post a while back, and I don't think anybody really saw it or gave a shit what I said, but I have some educational goals for my agency and myself in 2021 that I think if I can find the time to complete will take us to this next level of where we need to be, which is to continue to grow our agency and get up into that $10, $15 million in premium. Now, guys, you got to remember something. I've never bought a book of business. Never have. Everything we've done has been organic growth. And I know that y'all, some of y'all are sitting there with $20 and $30 million books of business. I'm going to tell you something. It's pretty tough to get to a $6 million agency with one carrier. Absolutely. Uh, it's not easy. And I've made plenty of mistakes in my past that probably would have gotten us there a lot sooner but I do feel good at where we are today. But a couple of things I want to try to do if I can afford to do it. One is non-negotiable and I'm actually going to tie compensation with some of my agents. They don't know this yet and they Ooh. don't hardly ever, they don't hardly ever listen to the podcast. So there's no danger of them. See my, my whole team listens to it. So I have to no, be my, mine don't give a shit. Mine don't give a shit. <laughs> One is going to be killing commercial with David Carruthers. I'm going to start that January 1 is my... We're, we're both in there, to, to clarify. Scott and I are both in that program. Yeah. 
I want Clint Orr in my office. I'm going to tie his compensation to the completion of Killing Commercial. So if you're in Killing Commercial and you're going to start seeing me on the calls, you're going to start seeing me in the classes, David Carruthers and I are going to be spend some three or four days together down in uh, Key West at the end of January. Nice. And I look forward to that and spending some quality time with him. The other thing I want to do, if I can afford to do it, is I want to start utilizing Mike Stromso as more of an agency coach for me. Uh, Mike's not cheap, but I think it's worth the money to have access to him once or twice a week to be able to pick up the phone and call him or email him and say, hey, I, I need this, I need that, I want to talk to you about this, that kind of thing. I've always wanted to do that because I love Mike and I think he's very good at what he does and he's run a successful agency and he knows what he's talking about. The yellow brick road, I'm going to tie some compensation to my personal lines agents on completion of the yellow brick road. And his name escapes me right now. What's his name, Bradley? Uh, Kirk Fuquay. Yeah. Kirk Fuquay's program. I think that program is ingenious. It's good. I said it when he was on. And I, no, by the way, Nobody paying me for any of this. None of right that. Now, None okay? of So if you're sitting there right now thinking this son of a bitch is just sitting here saying this because I'm not making one cent off what I'm talking about right now. But if you go watch some of those Yellow Brick Road training videos, you will see how that could improve the close ratio with your personal lines agents. And I think I'm going to start tying some compensation to people starting it and finishing it. Well, and that, and that and, goes back to, to process and procedure. You know, the yellow brick road, by doing those things consistently, you're going to have consistent results. Last but not least, we're going to continue to hire great people. I was 30 minutes late for this podcast today because I just hired a stone cold killer as another personal lines agent to run and manage my Athens office. Athena Stevens has run that office for almost 10 years. And in June of 2021, she is opening up a satellite office for us back in her hometown in Michigan. She's going to be gone. I had to have experience and I had to have the very best personal lines agent I could find. That person, unfortunately, is about to have to go sit down and make a principal state farm agent cry for about three days. But that's just life, guys. If you don't want to pay your people, Scott Howell will, and I will take them from you, and you will cry. You will cry at night, and you will cry in the morning because I, my agent is going to be writing the shit out of insurance, and now you're going to have to go in the office and do that when they were writing that business for you and you were able to come and go as you pleased. Unfortunately, that has to happen. And I apologize for that. And I'm sorry for that. We've already looked at the non-compete. We've already addressed that. We've already looked into all the things that could prevent this from happening because the last two stone cold killers I, I hired, I had to hire an attorney to negotiate through non-compete agreements. And that's fine too. We do that a lot. So, and I apologize, guys. I'm sorry I got to hire your best people. But if you're not going to pay them, I'm going to, and I'm going to make a bunch of damn money with them. So, that's pretty much it for me, Bradley. That's kind of what I'm looking at for 2021. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. Awesome. And I, 
by the way, y'all couldn't see it. Bradley was back there dying laughing as I was saying all that. Like, oh my God, I can't Play, believe you're playing with that. a switchblade knife. <laughs> but I mean, you know what I'm saying, right, Bradley? I mean, there's great people out there that are writing a ton of business, and if they feel like they're not being compensated accordingly, and you can yeah, or appreciated or or right. solid work environment or whatever, right. yeah, right, right, yeah. That's that's some. Unfortunately, that's just. Nick Saban does it every year, right? He loses two, he picks up two. And I'm sure there's some head coach somewhere going, man, mm-hmm. we were so good last year on defense. Why are you going to Alabama? I just accidentally cut myself with a switchblade. Stitches cut or just cut cut? No, just cut cut. Okay. We've been moving, so I have my knife up here. Bradley, I'd like for you to address these agents right now. Give them – Address the as nation. We, as, we, as we exit – Stage door right for 2020. Been a long year, been a hard year, but it's been a good year in a lot of ways. What would you like to say to them on one of our very last podcasts of the year? You know, you really put, man, this is the thing you should have told me you were going to ask. Dang, that gum could have come up with something real good. You know, I think, I think it was a tough year. Hopefully it does not continue into 2021. We had a tough year politically, but I'm really big on focusing on the things you can control and not focusing on the things you can't control. There's a lot of hoopla out there with politics and COVID and election and all, all that stuff. You know, somebody said yesterday on a, a Zoom call was on this. These are unprecedented times. And I almost correct. I was like, well, actually, it's unprecedented too. Focus on what you can control. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And don't, don't spend more than 10% of your headspace on the things you can't control. Focus on things you control. Focus on your strengths. Go all in on that. You will be okay. We are in an amazing industry. George Washington once said that when the U.S. economy completely collapses and it is no more, the thing that happens right before that is the insurance companies are going to go broke. In other words, you're in a very stable business. You're in an awesome business. We've got hard markets coming. We all know that. You know what that means? That means a pay raise. Mm-hmm. It means the people that the cream is going to rise to the top. And if you're not, go do something else. Right. If you're not going to work at it. Well, let me add to this. Here's a, here's a video that I saw the other day, guys. I'm going to play it for you. And if for some reason it can't be played, which I don't know why it wouldn't because it's public domain. Johnny can can take it out, but I hope he's able to leave it in. But listen, listen to this for just a second, Bradley. I learned something in my training from my manager called the five-minute rule. And he said, when you're out there in the, in the field, you're going to have disappointment. You're going to have rejection. You're going to set a goal for the week. You're not going to hit it. You're going to hit it and then have the order cancel. Like, he's like, you're going to deal with a lot of stuff. It's a microcosm for life. And he taught us what he called the five-minute rule. He said, so when things go wrong, we have a rule. It's okay to be negative, but not for more than five minutes. Give yourself five minutes. Set your timer on your phone. You would literally teach us at the timer. Give five minutes to bitch, moan, complain, cry, vent, punch a wall, whatever. And after five minutes, you take a deep breath and say three really powerful words. Can't change it. And it's simply an acknowledgement that I can't change what's already happened. So there's value in wishing it were different. And essentially, I learned through reading Eckhartolian things three years after that every negative emotion that we have is self-created by the degree of resistance that we have to our reality. Ooh, that's powerful. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I don't know if you could hear. Could you hear that yeah, okay or hear, not? Hear pretty good. Who is that? Just so we Somebody I saw on a social media site, and I, I I heard that, and I thought, you know, that is so apropos to the insurance industry. We're all 
we all face hardship mm-hmm. and we all face challenges every day. And, and we've got underwriters telling us no, and we got employees coming and going sometimes or things that happen, set the five minute rule, bitch, moan, complain about it. And then you got to move on. You got to mm-hmm. move down the road because you can't let all of it just add up on your shoulders because as you said earlier, you've got to control what you can control. Stay in the moment. I, I have said it before and I'll say it again. When I took the month off of social media and put my phone down for a month, the one thing that I noticed more than anything else about that was it allowed me to spend more of my brain power, my mindset towards my agency and my family rather than seeing some post on Instagram or Facebook that I didn't like and thinking about it for 45 minutes Mm -hmm. or, and and that goes right along with what you're saying right now. You can let yourself get into politics and other, other areas that takes your mind off of how can I move my agency one step forward to greatness. If you've ever seen a, a team of horses down in central park in New York, they put blinders on them so that they're just face forward, looking straight ahead. And I think a lot of times insurance agencies need to be agent owners need to be reminded. Sometimes guys, you, you got to stop watching the news and stop watching all this other crazy stuff on social media and fighting with your aunt Becky and all this other craziness that's going on and focus all of your brain power on how am I going to make this agency better today And one thing I've started doing, Bradley, is when I leave the office, and I've been doing this for about six months to a year now, when I get in my truck at night, it's always dark when I get in my truck over here around 5, 36 o'clock to go home. I think to myself before I turn the key on the ignition, did our agency get better today because of something I did or did we get worse? Because you're never the same. You're either going forward or you're going backwards. Again, that's just like college football, right? Mm -hmm. There. My friend Roger Schultz played center, all SEC center at Alabama in 1990, 89-90. He used to say that all the time. There's no football team in America during the season that's staying the same. Every week they're either getting better or they're getting worse. And I think insurance agencies, again, are a lot the same way. Every week you're getting better or every week you're getting worse based on the actions not discussions, but actions of the people in that agency, whether it's training to get better, whether it's new marketing ideas, whether it's implementing ideas, whether it's getting onto a new management system that makes your agencies faster and better. That's my message. Flatline always falls. That's right. That's that's, always falls. That's my message to the 250,000 insurance agents out there. Guys, I'm going to shut this thing down because Bradley and I have got to get back to trying to make our agencies better one day at a time here. As I always like to tell you guys, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big bad world and make money for your family, for your husband, for your wife, for your kid's college fund. I'm about to have to put $5,000 into my son's college fund before January 1st. And I am blessed to be able to do that. And I hope that you can do that or more for your kids before January 1 and help your parents out there. Because if anybody's struggling right now, it's them. Because if you're my age, your parents are in their 70s or 80s and 
God forbid they get out and get COVID and something happened to one of them. So go make money and help them out. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love you too, and we look forward to seeing you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.